0: It live. Okay. Well, do it live. Okay. Do it live! I'll write it and we'll do it live!
1: So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure you say whatever? We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Oh, should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. The show originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame City, Bomb City, USA, Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening's live fire, fun, and frivolity show. If you want to jump in this evening and you want to follow the show during off-show hours, here's how you do all of that.
0: You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to Greg at Show.com. Follow us on all the social media channels at BBQ Central Show. And be sure to subscribe to the show podcast feed on your favorite podcast platform.
1: Anything else you want to find out about the show this evening can be found at the main website, Show.com. And here's what's happening in case you get the newsletter. We missed them last month. But he is back and better than ever. Not because of him, because of me. We had to make room for an origin story, if you might recall. But we are back and better than ever with our pal and the pit master of Killer Hogs, creator of How to Barbecue Right, Malcolm Reed. Yes. Not only that. After a triumphant return last month to the show, he's back to team up. With Malcolm in this second. Keith Riles. Keith Riles Barbecue. Yes. So the three of us are going to be talking about the whole situation that's going on in Memphis. The impending competitions, plural, now in 2024. We'll get a little history of each of them from Memphis in May. We'll talk about this new startup that we talked about last week with Kerry Bringle. And a whole bunch of other stuff. So uh, look forward to a mashup, if you will, with Heath Riles and Malcolm Reed coming up here in about 10 minutes from now. And then 35 past the first hour, a quarterly segment guest from the creator of Another Pint, Please. Mike Lang joins the show once again as we get ready to close out 2023. So we will talk to him about holiday meals that are coming up. Hanukkah starts day after tomorrow. Of course, we have Christmas and all the other stuff. We'll talk about main dish proteins. We will also talk about side dishes. And then we will get into some gift-giving ideas. And we'll also talk about 2023 trends that he liked, trends that he didn't like. And we might look into the first half of next year and pontificate on upcoming trends that we either see starting to peak now or, Or creep now and might peak into the first half of next year. Or ones maybe we don't even have any idea that are going to be happening. He just feels good about something. And he's going to let it rip here on the show and be on tape. And we'll go back and evaluate after the fact. And that'll bring a close to the first hour. Then we'll move to the second hour. We will find an origin story with one of the barbecue icons in the industry, Ed Morin. You might know him as Fast Eddie. You might know him as the guy that makes the F.E. Cooker. You might not know he's the guy that invented the F.E. Cooker or the F.E. 100. A lot of teams through the many decades have used the F.E. in one form or fashion. A lot of teams that don't use pellet cookers now used the F.E. Cooker. A lot of teams that say they don't use pellet cookers now probably have an F.E. Cooker hidden away. It was a legendary cooker for, I mean... Let me rephrase that. It is still a legendary cooker, no doubt about it. Certainly, Offset Pits have recaptured the attention of a lot of competition cooks. But nevertheless, we will get a beginning, middle, and current of where Fast Eddie is. We'll track his barbecue journey and life in general. And there's a lot of things about Eddie that you probably don't even know about. We'll find out about those in the second hour. So that's how the show is laying out. Malcolm Reed, Heath Riles coming up here shortly. Mike Lang after them, second hour, an origin story with Ed Moore. And By the way, Ed was inducted into the 2023 Barbecue Central Show's Guest Hall of Fame in October this past year. So chasing down all those inductees to get their origin stories as we typically do. By the way, I think Heath Riles is in the green room here. Uh, Heath, I'm going to send you a different link to use because of how I have things set up here currently. So I'm going to send this off to you directly and uh, close out of whatever you're in and then use this one that I'm sending you. Uh, that's just from a production standpoint for me. Uh, but same way to to log in, all that other stuff. So uh, don't forget you can follow me socially, Instagram, X, TikTok, Snapchat. I believe we're also live this evening. Actually, we're not also, but we have taken Twitch out of the mix this week we have added a live stream in X. So Instagram, X, TikTok, Snapchat at BBQ Central Show is the handle, by the way. I'm getting more and more posty on the snapper snaps. We say good evening to those of you watching tonight through one of our video streaming platforms, Facebook and X, which is slash BBQ Central Show or at BBQ Central Show. We're also live on YouTube, which can be found at YouTube.com/slash at BBQ Central Show. We have a new YouTube poll question of the week that we're asking everybody. The bigger ongoing news story of 2023, Memphis in May or the KCBS scoring issue. It's tight, but 55% of you right now are saying that the bigger news story is the KCBS scoring issue. I'm a little shocked. Let's go ahead and start here this evening. The leader of reaction and comments from the show this past week, obviously, was Carrie Bringle's segment talking about the new barbecue and music festival taking place at the same time as Memphis in May. Now, technically speaking, there haven't been concrete dates given out yet for the new one. I've seen the week of May 13th, and assuming They're not going to get a hair up their ass and run a barbecue competition midweek. They're probably going to run it over the weekend, and then that falls head-to-head with when Memphis in May is going to be running, of course. But no firm dates given yet, but be on the lookout for that. I would imagine it's going to be over the weekend. I thought the answers that the embedded correspondence gave on the questions really helps to define some items that will measure success for this new event. For the folks interested, they will need to know cost, how the barbecue contest will actually operate, what the prize pool will be, and perhaps most importantly, who else is going to be there? We talked about teams we think would make a switch But we really know nothing, and that's the bottom line. I think the next big thing to help get this new event going on the contest side of things is for a big-name team or teams, i.e. past winners, potentially, to make their announcement that they are switching. I think there are plenty of folks who think this new event is interesting enough to consider but fear there will be some kind of disloyalty stigma attached to them if they decide to jump. So it might take a few shocking names to really put Memphis and May on notice. Otherwise, you'll have all the big boys, Peg Lake Porker aside, in Liberty Park, and you will also happen to have just some other barbecue contest happening at the same time in Tom Lee Park. Now, to that point, perhaps what will need to happen is seeing this new event produce itself two or three or four years in a row before there is enough trust built up by the big teams to give it a try. Or maybe the other side of the coin is this. All the teams will go to the new one if Memphis and May goes out of business. Having seen some other financial numbers from Memphis and May, I think that going under would require a few more years of major, major losses. But going to Liberty Park isn't going to help bring in record-breaking revenues by any stretch. So time will tell. And I'm excited to keep this conversation going with Malcolm and Heath. Next segment, if you want to weigh in uh, during the chats here in Facebook and YouTube, I'm getting those chats but nothing from X for whatever reason. You can watch it over on X. So excited. And we are off and running. Before we get to Heath and Malcolm, will talk to you quickly about pits and spits. Wait, by the way, I do want to say this. Rarely do I recognize those in chat. Making a reappearance after what is almost 17 years away from the show. The pitmaster of Whiskey Bent Barbecue, Chadley Von Ward, is in the YouTube chat. Wow. Great to have you back, Chad. Now see if you can squirrel up that Dan from Wachul and we'll have old school reunion. Are you tired of settling for mediocre grilling experiences? It's time to step up your game. Bring the ultimate flavor and cooker to the backyard barbecues. Pits and Spitz Charcoal Grills offer the highest quality live fire cooking experience you can get in the market today. Using either wood or charcoal, their solid fuel grills produce those classic flavors you're looking for when you have the time to fire up the grill and cook for family and friends. With a large adjustable fuel tray, you can raise and lower the fire to control and fine-tune the heat. This is their take on the very popular Santa Maria-style grip, except it's theirs. Check them out at this unique website, pitsandspits.com slash bbqcentral. That's pitsandspits.com slash bbqcentral. And don't forget, use the double T on the pits and the spits. Also, use promo code Charcoal Central. All one word, charcoal central for $150 off any charcoal grill that's available for sale over on the Pit and Spits website. Once again, it's Charcoal Central for $150 off any charcoal grill when you visit com slash BBQ Central. Great sponsor here in 2023. Happy to have them aboard here. And we'll be back with Malcolm Reed and Heath Riles. Right after this, stick around. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Christine live from the Barbecue Central Show Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg
1: Rempe. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com. Your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. You visit cookandpellets.com. See what they have available for sale when you're ready to purchase. Go to lowes.com or walmart.com or amazon.com and buy from there better shipping rates, like way better. Chris Becker told me to say that. I'm not speaking out of school. Good folks over at cookandpellets.com. we got a great segment coming up. It's a guy from Killer Hogs. It's a guy from Heath Riles' barbecue. It's Malcolm Reed and Heath Riles. Gents, appreciate you joining me here this evening. Before we get going and uh, start talking about a lot of Memphis talk, let's do the YouTube poll question of the week. Malcolm, we'll start with you. The bigger ongoing story of 2023, is it Memphis in May or is it the KCBS scoring issue?
2: Uh, since we're right here in Memphis, Greg, I'm going to have to say it's the Memphis and May story, man. All right. It's my so backyard.
1: Heath, biggest story of 2023 ongoing? Is it the Memphis and May or is it the KCBS scoring issues?
3: Well, at one time, I would tell you it was probably KCBS, but considering I've had probably 100 phone calls over this Memphis and May stuff. <laughs> I'm going to say Memphis and May as well.
1: All right. Well, 53% of folks, and a second ago it was just 50 50, but 53% of folks are reporting that KCBS is their biggest ongoing story of the year. Nevertheless, we're happy to have you both here and appreciate the time. Malcolm, back in October, we talked about the Memphis and May topic. Keith, when you were on last month, we also touched on it, but Jeepers, it's the topic that doesn't stop giving new content. A week and loose change ago, the latest news was released. A first-year barbecue contest that also has a music festival attached to it that's going to be competing directly with Memphis in May. I had Kerry Bringle on the show last week. We talked about why he made the choice to become a steering member on the competition side of things, and he also talked a bit about the changes he's seen in Memphis in May and how those things have played a part in his decision as well. So let's kind of take a similar step with you two. Malcolm, what's your history with Memphis in May?
2: Man, we started cooking it back in 06. So I've been doing it, you know, whether well, this would be 18th years. So that's a long time to cook a contest and be loyal to it. I mean, we missed uh, the only year we missed in the parks when it flooded and we had to have it at Tiger Lane. And in the COVID year, you know, they they had it under construction back out at Tiger Lane again. So that's the only time we've missed in that time period. So, you know we're we've been loyal to Memphis and May, and we love the we love the contest, and it's a world championship. Heath, what's your
1: history with Memphis and May?
3: I started cooking it in two thousand seven, and like Malcolm, have been there every year except for the two years that it wasn't held there, and one other year, uh, I did not cook because of work.
1: Or right, I'm going to stop here just for one second, Heath. If I could. Can you uh, hit the little gear cog thing on the uh, thing and do a a mic reconnect? I feel like I'm getting your computer microphone instead of your microphone microphone. Now there's no sound at all. all.
3: (laughs) What about now? Mm -hmm. Uh, Can you tap the mic?
1: Yeah, that's not picking up for some reason.
3: Hmm. It should be.
1: All right. Nevertheless, let's uh, keep going because the content is king here. Uh, Malcolm, when I listen to Carrie talk about Memphis in May and, and what sounded like a steady decline of the event over the years, how much of that sentiment, if any, do you share? And if so, what parts do you find in common?
2: Uh, you know, I don't think it's been a steady decline so to say is from the team standpoint other than just the fact that there's other barbecue options now i mean you've got the kcbs being a huge organization you've got these other contests going on you've got the sca to compete with so it has drawn from barbecue from competition barbecue in general but memphis and may is still a big and a major contest it always draws the teams and they have the great payout the trophies are some of the best in barbecue, so that's why people want to come to Memphis and cook. Now there was a bunch of people that just wanted to go because it was on the river, but I think it's you know it's probably more skewed to support the contest than where it's actually at. That's that's what I'm hearing.
1: Heath, your thoughts on uh, Carrie's thought that Memphis might have been trending down over the last handful of years.
3: I mean, I'm not going to say it's been trending down. I think that every festival like that uh, barbecue contest has struggled over the last few years just with the cost of everything. Uh, But like Malcolm said, it's the world championship. People want to be there, whether it's on the river or wherever it's at. And from that cost standpoint, I can see why Memphis and May just can't afford it anymore.
1: Heath, are you familiar with – who this Ford Momentum Group is, uh, I assume this is who, who the money is, or do you know people behind Ford Momentum and where this money's coming from?
3: Uh, I heard today that it was uh, somebody uh, maybe from Next Air, uh, like that sells welding gas and all that. Uh, there's some of the money behind it, but I, there's a gentleman named Mike Smith, I think that's the president of the Ford Momentum Group, uh, and he's been putting on festivals and music fests and stuff a long time. So I'm sure from that side, they know what they're doing, uh, to hold an event. Uh, but like everybody has said, just wondering being several months out from an event, what's going on with it? What's the prize money? How's everything going to play out against Memphis in May? There's a lot of unanswered questions.
1: Malcolm, any insight on who's behind this other than what Heath just mentioned?
2: You know, I've only seen what you've seen. Um, you know what Carrie talked about in the interview last week. That's that's the only thing I've heard about what's going on. I mean, I I knew that I knew the guy that Heath was talking about put on festivals and has been behind more of music festivals. I'm not sure he's ever put on barbecue festivals. I haven't heard of one, but uh, it, it may have. I just don't know about it.
1: Heath, were you approached by this Ford Momentum Group to be a part of a steering committee to help with this barbecue contest?
3: No, no, I was not. I have not been. No.
1: Malcolm, not. were you approached by Ford Momentum to be a steering committee member?
2: I don't have that much clout, I guess, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't call me.
1: <laughs> I'm asking you to speculate here. Malcolm, will stay with you. Do you think the, or, or what do you think the intentions are here with this new event?
2: So, now this is purely speculative. Of course. But it sounded to me like there there was some kind of issue with that the people that were in charge of the part now and Memphis and May. Now, I don't know where it stemmed from, if this was before they came back after COVID and tried to have the contest there, or we did have the contest there last year, or if it happened because of the damages and all the backlash over that. But there was, there seemed like there was a reason to get rid of Memphis and May in all forms downtown in Tomley Park. Hmm. And so it wasn't long after they said, you know, Music Fest wasn't going to happen. Barbecue Fest was moving. They announced that they were going to have a music festival there. And then it wasn't, you know, just a few weeks ago is when the Barbecue Fest popped up. So when I heard that, I was like, well, they just don't want Memphis and May to be a part of anything going on down there. That's what it sounds like.
1: Heath, do you agree with... Malcolm's speculatory thought, or do you have something a little bit more speculatory?
3: I, always, I agree with Malcolm 100% on that. I am always say you have to follow the money. And, you know, <laughs> Memphis, in may be in a nonprofit, and uh, I'm not saying other organizations are a, a for-profit or a not-profit. I don't know the, the basis of their business, so I don't, I'm just speculating here. Uh, But if you're not a nonprofit and you're an LLC, which means you're going to make profit, uh, you know, some money's going to pass hands somewhere. And, uh, you know, Memphis may had an insurance policy to cover the damage, and they're working that out now. And, you know, there's construction going on at uh, Tiger Lane or Tiger Park, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, for hotels and all that over there in that area. And they built like a – well, they're redoing the football coliseum. The city got a grant for that. And so I understand they're trying to build that area up too. And, you know, years ago, I was in the beer business and they built Bill Street Landing, the Memphis Riverfront Development Corporation did. Well, that's the same corporation just changed its name name to the MMRP. And so I'm going to say they're the same people because they are. They didn't even run gas line to that building that's down on the end of Bill Street now. So there's been four or five restaurants fail in it. And so I'm going to say that the Memphis River Parks does not know how to run a business because if you go to Mud Island, you go to the other parks, they just don't look good. And that's my, you know, point of view. But my speculation, I I wish them the best. I, I wish that the teams knew more and everybody else. And maybe we'll find out more in the coming weeks. Who
1: knows? I asked the embedded correspondence this question last week. Let me ask you, Heath, and Malcolm will come to you secondarily. Do you think this has been in the works? Uh, I'm not going to say that this damage bill was just given to them to make sure they leave, but do you think that there was a coordinated effort, as Malcolm said, to get Memphis May out of Tom Lee Park, but there was already a backfill going in? My guy in Michigan said, you know, you just don't come into a vacuum like this. This is something that feels like it's been in the works for a year or two, maybe longer than that. What do you think about that, Heath?
3: I I do feel like this is something that's been in the works a long time. Um, And with me working downtown for as many years as I did and seeing a lot of it and being involved with the music fest and the barbecue fest on the business end of it and sponsorship end, um, I've seen a lot. And so it's just interesting the way things are playing out now. Because at one time downtown used to be the place to go and Malcolm can tell you that. Bill Street was kinda of like the mini New Orleans. Uh and now it's just not that way. Uh clubs can't stay open as late. Uh the state stopped uh beer sales on Bill Street and beverage carts. And so a lot has changed in the last ten years down there. Uh and, and so I don't know if all that's kinda had something to do with it or not, but a lot has changed downtown.
1: Malcolm, you think this has been in the works longer than we're led to believe? Probably
2: so. I mean, it, it makes sense for it to. Um, you know, they knew Memphis MA the barbecue, you know, paid for a lot of it. I mean, Music Fest does all the damage when they have it down there to the park. And it's tore up before barbecue teams ever get there. So you can't just blame the barbecue side, but it's it seems like it was more against the organization, not barbecue teams, not any of us cooks, not any of that. We're just a you know, a side part of it. Um, And so having, I think they need to host, they needed to host some events down there. They need a reason to bring those tourists to Memphis. And it's true that, you know, Barbecue Fest just doesn't bring, the the Memphis and May Barbecue Fest isn't really a, a great public event. I mean, there's always spectators. But it's geared towards you having your own team and your own private parties, and you know it's not really something that the public can take a big party and and for them to have some kind of vision on how they want to change that. Maybe they you know they saw it and had some people getting in their heads and their ears and saying what they could do with it if Memphis and May was out of the way. So I mean that's you know speculative, but if you could kind of see where that could go,
1: Malcolm, as we sit here, beginning of December twenty twenty three, which is rapidly coming to a close. You're going to be competing in Memphis in May next year. We yeah, that's our plan. I mean, we got it. teeth you probably
2: got it last night too. There's a team email went out. They said they had a contract yep. uh, on the park. They said the prize money was going to be bigger than ever. But the shocking thing was to me was the CEO announced his retirement. Yeah. So. I don't know if you knew that, but, you know, Jim Holt's gone. He's he's not going to be a part of Memphis and May. Now, that's – I mean, it said it was a planned thing in the email. I don't know if that was some part of it. That's something we'll, – we'll, we'll, we'll all never know that. But as far as – I mean, I want to cook the world championship. I want to – you know, I want to know. I mean, Memphis and May is not something that you just a week or two ahead of time decide you're going to cook. We don't know the format of this other contest. We don't know the logistics of it. We don't know what kind of rentals we're going to have to have. We don't know where it's going to be. I've heard different things from it's not going to be in the park to everything's going to be on pavement on Riverside Drive. I've heard that they're going to take the whole mile stretch, so they're going to have more teams than Memphis and May could ever hold. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff buzzing around about this event, but when it comes down to it, nothing's been released yet. I mean, you can sign up for more info, but that's about all I know you can do right now.
1: Keith, as we said here in 2023 of December, you're going to be competing in Memphis in May next year?
2: I will be at
3: Memphis in May. I shared a meme earlier this week. You just uh, Any contest can't go out and in a few months' time be a world championship, be a Jack Daniels qualifier, an American Royal qualifier. And so I want to play with the big boys. I'm going to dance with the big boys.
1: Let's say – I was part of this. What if it's a hundred thousand dollar contest? <laughs> <laughs> now
2: that would change Tip my right. mind,
1: Greg. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if
2: it's a hundred thousand dollar contest, I'm gonna have to rethink some
1: things. So let's say I'm, I'm part of this money. let's say I'm part of this committee and I target you two teams specifically that I really want to have at this event. I know what kind of social media uh, you know I could potentially leverage with you guys, maybe you're getting excited about it, you're talking about it, blah, blah, blah. What's it going to take to get you guys to come to my competition, Heath?
3: I would hate to put a number <laughs> on it right now. <laughs> That's it. Would it would be it would be a big number, a very big number,
2: Malcolm. Oh, we're going to change the name to Malcolm in May and have the Malcolm Invitational.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I want title. I want title sponsorship, Greg. <laughs> How about this? What if, what if, Malcolm? I pay you two thousand dollars in appearance fee, cover your competition fees, entry fees, whatever. And if you win, you get to keep that money too. Do I have your attention?
2: I'd pay you two thousand dollars not to go. <laughs>
1: Heath, same deal to you.
3: Uh, that's not even enough to buy a damn good shotgun these days.
1: Wow. <laughs> so not even free plus the potential of winning whatever the uh, whatever the money.
3: No. Wow. It's not about the money. Yeah. At the end of the day, that is not about the money.
1: Heath if you... We don't do that. I mean,
2: we don't do these contests for the money, Greg, oh, yeah, you know. No I mean, now <laughs> but if it's a hundred thousand dollar contest, I mean that's that's getting up there. There hadn't been many of those, uh, if there's been any. I mean, there may have been a one or two. I might might have come close, but that's huge for a, to, for one team to walk away with a guaranteed hundred thousand dollars. That might draw some people.
1: So if you guys aren't going to jump at my incredibly generous offer. If you started to see some other big teams, let's call them past winners, you know whatever big team means to you, somebody that would move the needle for you personally, would you think that those teams that are jumping are incentivized, as I had mentioned, to do so? Or do you think that they've bought in on something else? Malcolm? I would say some
2: of them are just dis- feel disenfranchised from Memphis and Bay and probably we're on the way out, you know, thinking about not cooking Memphis and May anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm going I'm to, I'm honestly, Greg, I'm going to be just, I'm going to be surprised if it's the same format barbecue contest that we're, we're used to seeing or that most people are. I don't, I think it's just, that's going to be hard for them to pull off and to draw teams to.
1: Heath, if you see some big teams jumping, do you uh, agree with Malcolm or do you think they've been incentivized to jump?
3: You know, I would have to be on the fence about that—about fifty-fifty. I would think some teams might take some money to go, and I would think some teams might just want to change since it's being taken out of the park anyway. Um, you know, I think everybody has their own agenda at the end of the day, and I—it would be hard to really say one way or the other.
1: Last week, I asked the embedded correspondents, "Why not have these events?" in different weekends versus competing head-to-head. This way it gives teams the opportunity to taste them both and then make an informed decision going forward. I was ceremoniously laughed off the dais for whatever reason. So as two teams who are legit contenders each year for a Memphis and May title, Heath, is this such an outlandish idea to have them on separate weekends, at least maybe for the first or two years?
3: No, I don't, because the way load-in is at Memphis in May, you can load in that Monday, and if you're just a regular team and at a regular contest, uh, you know, that would that would be feasible to me, uh, at least to try it out to see how it goes. Uh, but I'm like Malcolm. It, them doing the same format as Memphis in May and the scoring system and getting enough qualified judges in time and, you know, judges being loyal to Memphis in May and, uh, that it's just so many questions like that up in the air of how can you hold a, a contest of that caliber and that many teams? Where are you going to get the other judges at if you've got, you know, 150 teams over here at one contest and, you know, another team over here with hundred, ju- hundred teams. How, how does that work?
1: Uh, Malcolm, you, would you like to see it on not competing weekends and stuff? Yeah, I would like
2: to see it on not competing weekends. I think you would pull Teams that would cook both, absolutely. Mm-hmm. In our area, we've got guys that do that. They'll go from one week to the next week to the next week. And Heath, I know you've done it a lot of times, cooking every single week. Now, there's not a lot of teams that do that, but you would have a better chance um, at pulling teams for it. But the thing, the real, one thing you got to understand about Memphis and May is it, it blows a lot of teams' budget that one contest. Mm-hmm. So a lot of t- a lot of these big teams and the ones that are there for the party and you know they're they're not going to spend you know. 20, 30, 50, some of them way more than that, $1,000 on Memphis in May or on this other barbecue contest and turn around and do it at Memphis in May too. It's just not, mm. I don't think folks have that kind of money. So you got to think at it from that point. And when you look at Memphis and May, yeah, there's, you know, what, 250 something teams competed last year, Heath, I think, something like that. Um, how yeah. many of those teams actually are like the comp, when you look at that list, are, you know, qualified teams that really got a shot at winning the thing? Mm. So you've got some teams that are there for corporate reasons. You've got some teams that are there to party. You've got new teams involved. So there's a fine mix to get all those teams together at Memphis and May. And to do it again at another contest, man, that would be a that would be a challenge. It's gonna be it's gonna be real interesting, Greg, to see how this shakes out in in May. How in do you Memphis.
1: think it plays out, Malcolm?
2: I think it's gonna hurt both of them. Mm-hmm. I I really do because you're gonna split it, and if we've got. Say 300 teams that are willing to cook a contest, and you, you know, you got to pick or choose which one you're going to. You're looking at each team having 150 teams, mm-hmm. or you know, somewhat just is just total guessing. But if you're splitting that pool of teams, it's going to hurt both of them, they're both going to lose money.
1: Heath, how do you think it plays out in May?
3: Last year, Memphis in May, since the park was smaller, I think it was about 180 teams. Uh, it hadn't been 250 oh, in right. probably seven, eight years. Uh, it's dwindled down because of that park size and all that. But um, it's going to get interesting because Memphis and May's applications are due by February the 1st. And so you've got to make a decision. And this other uh, contest has not even come out with the application yet. Mm-hmm. And so, with one being due in February, when will the other application be due for people to make a reasonable decision within the two? And, Malcolm, you know that. Memphis and May don't care who you are. If you don't turn in that application by that deadline, you are not getting in. Mm. You can hang it up. And uh, that's going to throw in the the fire too because I know that there's been a lot of sign-ups so far for Memphis and May at Tiger Lane.
1: I'm very interested to continue to keep tabs on how this is all going to play out. Let's switch gears just for one second here. And I appreciate the time here, gentlemen. Heath, what are you recommending from the Heath Riles barbecue line of products as your top recommended gift this holiday season?
3: Uh, I would have to say the brand new glazes that I just launched. uh, The three-pack, the maple honey habanero, a brown sugar habanero, and a cherry apple habanero.
1: Why habanero? Why not jalapeno? Uh,
3: i played... (laughs) A lot with jalapeno and the habanero, the mash that you can get. To me, I didn't make mine really spicy. It's only about a four and a half to a five on heat level. It balances out very well with my rubs and my sauces. So mine is not really spicy at all.
1: Hmm. Malcolm, what's the most recommended how to barbecue right product this holiday season besides the ghost pepper jerky, which is just phenomenal? (laughs)
2: <laughs> man that's tough I, I mean i'm just gonna have to say the barbecue rub greg it's great on everything yes. and for people that are getting into barbecue that want to try a rub that you know it's not going to blow your head off it's it, it's used on all kinds of stuff and it's probably i know it's our number one seller so
1: uh look you can go over to malcolm's website howtobbqright.com you can go to heath's website heathrilesbbq.com and buy all of their products and then you tell me which one you would be recommending for next year's holiday season and go from that. Guys, I uh, appreciate the time tonight talking about Memphis and what it all entails here as we get closer to May, and maybe we can reconvene in a month or two and talk about the status and continued success to both of you guys. Thanks for coming on. Yes, sir. Hey, that's a wrap
2: for 23, Greg. That's right. See, we'll see you, you next, next year. year. All right. <laughs> see you next year.
1: That's right. We'll see Malcolm back here, and we'll see more of Heath Riles as well, so certainly appreciate them extending out here a little bit. Apologies to Mike Lang, but we'll make up time with him here in just a moment. What are you thinking? By the way, the poll has already flopped. Memphis and May is now in the lead at 52% over KCBS. Wow, exciting. Hey, what do we love about ceramic cookers? We love that they can achieve low and slow barbecue temperatures for those traditional barbecue meats. We also love that they can get rip-roaring hot to do the high-heat grilling of steaks and other thin cuts. But what's missing in the everyday lineup of ceramic cookers? The true abilities of two-zone cooking. Two-zone cooking is important to both professional and backyard cooks alike. The best way to manage a fire However, a two-zone fire in a round ceramic cooker is not very realistic. Why? Because it's round. And a Primo grill in the game-changing oval design. The shape gives you the ability to execute that two-zone setup that you desire. It also gives you the other ceramic grill benefits as well. When you break it down, there's more than 60 different ways to cook on it. Two nights ago, fire up the Primo, it gets hot. And then, of course, because I live in Cleveland... Here comes the rain Uh-oh. and the wind Uh-oh. and the snow. Uh-oh. No worries. The Primo was already warm. The ceramics. It's like a whole different world inside that Primo. Absolutely. So, I'm outside contending with the Elements. However, that ceramic cooker on the inside. Oh, it's lovely. Boy, The ribs that I were doing just sizzling away. I got the deflector shields there. Over the weekend, it promises to be maybe 50 on Saturday so we could get first use of either the rotisserie or the pizza oven. I will keep you advised. Primo, only available at dealers. Find a dealer near you, primogrill.com. Visit the dealer, touch the ovals, and buy the one that's best for you. We're back with Mike Lang from Another Pint. Please stick around. Be right back.
0: You're listening to The Barbecue Central Show. Stern, Jim Rohn, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show.
1: We thank Malcolm Reed and Heath Riles for joining us last segment, HowToBBQRight.com and HeathRilesBBQ.com respectively. This portion being brought to you by Fireboard where you can monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously, connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring, or connect via the Bluetooth. If you have smart speakers in your home, there's a great chance that Fireboard integrates with those. You can find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. And don't forget about the brand new product, the Fireboard Beacon. My next guest tonight, a quarterly guest here in 2023. If you follow him on social media, Or visit his website. You're typically delighted at his recipe creations and his photography and video shooting skills. Brand-wise, most notably associated with industry leader Weber. He is an inaugural member of the Barbecue Central Show's Guest Hall of Fame back in 2018. And we welcome back our pal Mike Lang to the show. Mike, we have a YouTube poll question of the week. And it is raging in Discord at the moment. But I'm going to ask you this. The bigger ongoing news story of 2023, Memphis and May, or the KCBS scoring issue. What do you say?
4: Memphis and May. That's, all right. Well, you'll be
1: happy to know that 56% of folks are now saying Man. that Memphis and May is the bigger ongoing story. I also agree mm-hmm. with that, by the way, just from the sheer amount of ongoing new content that's being put out. Even before Memphis and May even happened, I remember talking about the lead up to the event and then the event itself and then all the nonsense that's happened after that. So 56% are currently saying it's Memphis and May. Roughly three weeks from now, my Christmas will be upon us. However, this coming weekend, actually Thursday, Hanukkah starts. Any dishes inspired by that holiday, that being Hanukkah, that you'll be whipping up for social media sites and other things?
4: Yeah, do you mention that, actually, I just wrapped up Hanukkah donuts for Weber, which will be coming out here uh, in the next couple of days. So, again, never done before. You know, anytime you can introduce baking to the grill, uh, it's kind of a cool deviation from doing something in the oven. They're easy, they're small, they're delicious. You can't have just one. I think it's interesting, too, whatever you, you know, I did them on the gas grill and a baking stone and people complain, complaining, oh, it's not on charcoal or whatever. But you know what? A lot of times it's not the appliance that you're using or the type of grill that you're using. It's the fact that you are going outside, especially this time of year. Get right. outside, fill your breath with you know fresh air and enjoy being out of the house.
1: And by the way, for us, we're real men because we're in the teeth of cold. <laughs> I mean, give me a break. <laughs> real men stuff here. So what's the recipe for those donuts?
4: Yeah, it's a uh, yeast flour recipe, a pretty simple rise. You can get it knocked out in under four hours from beginning to end. Mm. The best part at the end is once they're they're cooked under 12 minutes, you can then roll them in sugar, and then you're going to pipe into them jelly for a filling. So it's really it's it's a tasty little treat, and they're absolutely delicious, and look forward to sharing them with everybody when Hanukkah starts. What's
1: the main Christmas protein for the Langhouse?
4: Yeah, prime rib. Oh, really? Oh, well, yeah. All right. Great. I'm, <laughs> I'm turkeyed out by the end of Thanksgiving. I mean, let alone content shooting. I've been through four turkeys already. So mm. by the time Christmas rolls around, you know you could go poultry, uh, but no, definitely a standing rib roast.
1: So you are much like uh, every content creator that I have on the show, where probably months in advance of the actual Thanksgiving holiday, you're ripping through turkeys at breakneck speed. Outside of that. Are you a turkey eater in general, or is the Thanksgiving time and then your creation time ahead of that the only time you're really taking in turkey?
4: No, I am. I, I think I thank my dad for that because he's always been a big, you know, whole roast chicken or grilled chicken or turkey. And that's always been part of my childhood. So I think I've carried <laughs> that with me through as an adult. But yeah, you sit down, and it's nice. You've got one big huge protein. It looks beautiful. There's a wonderful presentation, you know. And who doesn't love the sides? Oftentimes mm-hmm. more than the main event itself, you know, whether it be stuffing and mashed potatoes, uh, or a sweet potato casserole, mm-hmm. which, you know, is like having dessert assay side. Uh, it's it's yeah, it's wonderful. I love it. And I'll definitely have it, you know, more than just at the holidays. But man, this time of year though, I'm on to some beef. All
1: right, so let's talk about rib roast because i'm also going to be confirming your protein of choice for the holiday season we're going to be getting i think a 17 pound prime Ooh. grade rib roast from kevin down there at the Butcher shop in pensacola florida i'm paying for it. uh what are your best <laughs> ways to cook it i wish i wasn't paying for it by the way it's 17
4: pounds but i'm going to pay for it mm, i can imagine yeah yeah. I, you know, for me as the rotisserie, which is kind of funny, even for a turkey, I just love using the rotisserie and <laughs> something special like that. Also, I think it, it's a very lenient cooking process. You've got that slow spin at a slower temp and it just looks visually exciting. So when you got guests coming over, cause like, you know, you're having a huge, you know, standing rib roast, people are going to be over, they go on and come outside and what better way to entertain than come outside of the grill and watch that thing spin around. And as it cooks, you know, the meat retracts, the bones protrude. It's just, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing to not only behold, but delicious to eat.
1: So you talked bones protruding. Are you like, take them off, time back on or leave them all the way on, cut them off after the fact. And secondary follow-up to that is you ever done bone less?
4: If the butcher wants to go ahead and remove the bones and tie them back on, I'll definitely do it. Mm. <laughs> if I'm going to do it, probably not. Mm. Uh, I'll just leave them on. I get it's easier. But you know what? It's as easy to cut them off once it's cooked as well. Uh, and boneless, yeah, I've done that as well too. But it, to me, you know, the taste is about the same. But it is just simply the – I love the visual aspect. You know that. Mm. You know, I, I like to take pictures and shoot video. And to me, anything that makes that vi- visual image more interesting, and definitely those bones do, uh, that, that's what I want to see. And my guest too.
1: Any idea what you're running the rotisserie at, temperature-wise?
4: Usually about medium-low, mm-hmm. so probably 300 degrees. And I'm, I'm typically one, too, to push the coals only to one side. I really want that gentle heat to slowly cook whatever it is I'm spinning uh, versus putting them off at of both sides. So I wanted to hit the heat once, go around. Uh, and you know what? I mean, especially going back to turkeys, it does a great job on the skin. Uh, it doesn't cook it too fast where it tends to split, and then of course for beef to make sure you hit that medium rare it's a nice way of slowly coming up the temp to not miss your mark and just you know provide a wonderful feast
1: What temperature are you pulling off at is that like a 130 for you or are you lower than that and allow for carryover
4: yeah I'm at 115 120. Oh. I just I really want to make sure it's medium rare and let it mm-hmm. rest for a good you know thirty minutes plus um, but yeah I'd rather shoot you know like most things I'd rather shoot low than shoot high
1: seasoning wise pretty simple stuff
4: yeah salt pepper and uh, maybe put some garlic cloves into it (laughs) as it goes but yeah i never yeah i always say you know seasonings are great but you can only detect so much that i want something that's going to be basic and and flavorful and to me that's usually that dalmatian you know just something very simple pepper and a third whatever that third might be it could be paprika it could be garlic uh could be a healthy dose of onion um but i just like something simple it's bold
1: Best side dishes for your prime rib. What do you like?
4: Ah, Planked mashed potatoes. You know, In my cookbook, that's one of the things that I – you know—you kind of take it for granted. You're like, ah, I love mashed potatoes any which way, but you put it on a cedar plank and you basically reheat those potatoes on the grill. So you get the, the, the smoldering ember from the wood hmm. encapsulating those cooked potatoes, top it with some cheese, some scallions, some bacon. Once again, it looks beautiful. It comes right off the grill, put it on the table. Uh, but people, too, that have read the book and haven't had that before, I've had more probably re- Amazon reviews and pictures of people trying that. It's just so simple. And to me, it's got to be on the table at the holidays.
1: So the planks coming off the grill and then right onto the table, you're not then spooning them off into a bowl or anything?
4: No. It's all yep. about the presentation. Right. They've got good arms. Right. Okay. Uh, you know, Have them take a look at it. Pass it around. Put it obviously on a sheet uh, or something so you're not burning your table. But uh, yeah, it looks great, and people then can see where it came from, and maybe it inspires an idea in them. But yeah, planks planks are great.
1: So you mentioned the book and how you're getting these pictures of the plank mashed potatoes. What's on your Christmas wish list here in 2023?
4: Uh, for me, it would be to get my new grill studio finally organized and up and running, which may be a New Year's resolution. Mm. Uh, but that's probably the biggest thing I want. You know, I've moved into this new uh, wonderful 1,500 square foot inside studio with 700 plus square feet outside uh, to be able to create the content that I do. Uh, you know, year round in a, a new space, and that's really what I'm excited about and getting up and running. Which is why I can hear a little bit of an echo bounce in here. I'm in the middle of this room right now trying to deaden the sound, but uh, it's got a lot of great possibility. And that's this is this is my Christmas. I mean, it looks
1: like compared to what we were looking at yesterday during sound check. I mean the Sound is easily a hundred percent better, and obviously the shot is much better because you're with your pro camera instead of using whatever's integrated in the computer so uh, looking dapper and as uh, always the one where the standard is raised is uh, Mike Lang when he appears on this show, no doubt about it for every other guest let 's flip the script a little bit. I'm sure you're the person who folks want to consult with when it comes time to buying a gift for their live fire enthusiast within the family or friend, whatever. What's on the Mike Lang gift giving guide in 2023?
4: Uh, two things. Number one, a really good thermometer and a really good timer. Hmm. You know, Thermopin makes that uh, the, the, the trio timer. I forget the name. Forgive me. But that thing is in my back pocket all the time. My dad wears it around his neck often color coordinating with his vest to keep his core warm. Uh, But, you know, those are the two things that are going to save you when you're grilling, especially Mm. this time of year if you're in the Midwest like we are, you know. Use the timer to keep you in the ballpark and then use that instant read thermometer to get you where you want to be. Great stocking stocking stuffers.
1: You're on trend. Part of the deal for what you do, of course, being social media and providing pictures and doing what's popular. What caught your fascination with the live fire industry this year?
4: The rethinking of oh, how do I phrase this right. Um, oftentimes taking simple things and making them new again. And I wish I had a better example to give you, but I find that quite interesting is to take something everyone takes for granted and then to put it in the grill and make something new out of it. Mm. Um, there's always, you know, that there's three rest, reci- there' three ingredient recipes or something simple, like, you know, I don't know, taking spam or making, you know, meat in a pot. I think you've talked about before uh, or meat in a can. Um, I find those things interesting because what's old is uh, is new again, and I find that you know enjoyable.
1: What trend hurt your heart in the live fire industry this year on social media?
4: Uh, none, <laughs> you no, know. No, I, I have one. One to, no one ask me. Not, nothing. Oh, what's your uh, Greg? Uh, yes. In the live fire industry this year on social media, what is what's broken your heart?
1: Smoked cream cheese. And get over yourself.
4: Are you kidding me? <laughs> That, hurt, I my did that, that, that hurt my heart. That recently, it's it's enjoyable. Yeah. But you know what? You know, I always say, play to your strengths. If you like it, you like it. Now there's a bunch of silly stuff, you know, out there that I, I could, you know, not take a lot of. But on the whole, you know, if people are making food. They're excited about it, and they're actually enjoying it. Then you know, more power to you.
1: Are you familiar with Married to BBQ on Instagram? I'm not. I, no. I, didn't, I didn't know anything about her. Just Pryls uh, told me I should follow her a couple weeks ago this lady took a shit all over Thor's hammer. I saw it today. Maybe it's been out for a little <laughs> while. I thought that was a fairly unique trend that was, I thought it was going to get bigger than it did this year, but she's shit all over it, saying that this is way too expensive to turn into taco meat. Did you see Thor's hammer? And is that a, a nonsense trend potentially?
4: You know, I wouldn't say nonsense. It's got its place probably. You know, once again, I go back to the presentation, which is why people look at it and go, well, that's pretty amazing. Well, it is. And if you're you're feeding a lot of people and you could cook it right, then why not enjoy it? Just to do it because you can do it, there's not a whole lot of value in that. But I know you are not necessarily a fan of fire, remember, right? A fan of what? Of Thor's hammer.
1: Oh, um, well, I think our question this year was, what's the bigger waste of money? Tomahawk or... Thor's hammer, and we all agreed the tomahawk steak was the bigger waste of money because Thor's hammer's yield was much better than the the tomahawk. But, mm-hmm. uh, what's your favorite beer at the moment?
4: Ah, funny you mention. I'm drinking a. Um it's from uh, Warp Wing, which is a local brewery here in Dayton. And they've got a collaborative every year with a chocolate shop that was founded here in Dayton in 1952 called Esther Price. Uh, and it is a coconut cream milk stout. Every year it's different. This year's is fantastic. Uh, if you're at all in the Midwest, you probably have heard of Esther Price. I know when we lived outside of D.C., we'd have it shipped to us before we moved back to Dayton. Uh, but just it's a phenomenal collab. It's a, a, you know, a stout uh, this time of year is perfect and add a little bit of sweetness in there and lactose and it's delicious.
1: What about cocktail wise? What are you into in the mm. holiday season? Eggnog. Uh,
4: you know, actually, yes and no. You know? I, every year, I'll make an aged eggnog. Um, <laughs> How do you do that? I think you know, a little well, eggnog it, from the year <laughs> well, before. A lot of, a lot of, yeah. Actually, I do. <laughs> Funny you mentioned that. So I've got mash. two other batches that are still in the fridge. Wow! But there's literally so much alcohol in it. It's pasteurized. It's good. <laughs> It's interesting when you make a new batch. I really think um, the newer batches taste better the longer it sits. It gets a little more funky. It's not bad, but it's definitely different, so it's quite an interesting treat. Oddly, my family and friends, no one really likes my little <laughs> eggnog adventure, but yeah. it's, I tell you what, if you uh, Google it, um, I know Alton Brown's got one. Michael Ruman up by you uh, has got a recipe for it, uh, but it's actually it's really good. Like I said, boozy, Yeah. but you like your eggnog that way. It's fabulous, so yeah, it's good.
1: Look, this is Mike Lang. You can find him at another pint, please. You can find him on all the social media channels as well. I recommend following him on Instagram because he's got great pictures, content, uh, Twitter as well. And if you've ever seen a Weber commercial, there's a very good chance you saw. If you didn't see Mike as a whole person, probably saw his hands or his feet or legs or something like that because he shoots a tremendous amount of content for that, always at a high level. I appreciate uh, the quarterly visits here in 2023. I'm going to ask you point blank right here because it's rapidly coming to a close in 2023. I think I've said that three times already. Are we on quarterly for 2024? Yes or no? Oh, hell yes. Yes. All right. I have it on tape so you can't back out. Uh, Have a great holiday. Tell everybody I said hi and we will see you in Q1 of 2024.
4: Thanks, Greg. Have a wonderful holiday and new year. Talk All to right. you
1: soon. You too, pal. Mike lying right there. Closing it out in style and on time, as she always does. You can follow him over at anotherpintplease.com. Let's wrap up that first hour. Stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing
0: to produce incredibly mediocre content. In an exceptionally professional way You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey
1: Welcome back, this portion of the show being brought to you by Nobody <laughs> Joke's on you yeah. We thank Mike Lang from Another Pint, Please That's what I wanted to say AnotherPintPlease.com, available socially for you to follow as well on all the major platforms. Once again, I recommend either Twitter or Instagram. What I like about Mike, especially on Instagram, is if he's shooting a picture in his stories, like every once in a while, he gives you the setup. Not in a I'm better than you way, but let me help raise your picture-taking game way. I like it. Mike says a thermometer and a timer, what he's recommending most. I'm going to recommend the Fireboard Spark this year. Yes. It is an instant read me thermometer. It's also a timer. There's a timer in there. And if you have a Fireboard and you have four or five, maybe you have it fully loaded out with all the six different ones. It can now become a clearinghouse of information on the fireboard. You can take it with you. So you can see each probe will be listed out on the spark. Yes. So leave your phone somewhere. Take the spark with you. Always be up to date. That's my recommendation for all the interviews I'm going to be doing before the end of the year. Let's go ahead and point to that beloved second hour. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around. We'll be right back.